Hi, everyone. This is Dawn Richard, also known as The Awakening with Dawn, and this is the Wake Up to Real Love podcast, where we share stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. I am really, really excited and honored to be here today with my new friend, Chris Parker. He is a man who has been through the ringer uh, and on, on and off the mat, right, Chris? That's right. <laughs> uh, he's been through numerous, numerous life transformations from being a high school champion wrestler, college dropout, drug dealer, an alcoholic, jujitsu practitioner, kung fu and tai chi martial artist, college wrestler, a hopeless drunk, a recovered alcoholic, judo player, and now an advocate for strengthening the grappling martial arts community, probably in that order. You have been through a lot, Chris, in your young life. <laughs> Welcome, Chris Parker. Thank you, Don. Um, <clears throat> I'm happy to be on the show, and, and I'm sure a lot of people have been through a lot more than I have, but uh, this is just, that's just my story, you know? Do, do you, do you ever like wake up and go, thank God I'm still alive? Just about every day. Yeah. Yes, I do. Yep. Yeah. Because you have, you have scared yourself a few times, haven't you? Yes. Quite a few times. You want to, you want to start there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We could start there. Um, I mean, as far as the most scared times of my life is uh, when I st- when I started blacking out from drinking uh-huh. you know, and waking up and not knowing what happened the night before uh-huh. and having my friends uh, or family members kind of uh, reiterate what I was like the night before, uh, that, was, that was probably when I started getting scared, you know, about uh, as far as alcohol addiction. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's, uh, you know, and then one particular time I woke up and one of the people downstairs, uh, you know, one of my roommates, we had six people living in a two-bedroom townhouse. And uh, one of my roommates came upstairs and they were like, dude, what happened to your car? And I had that drop of uh, <gasps> fear. And I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know what happened to my car. I don't know why you're asking me that. If you're asking me that, probably something bad, you know? Yeah, so what I happened? I go outside in, like, the front corner of, like, my uh, – 1994 Ford Explorer is like smashed up. And I was like, how in the hell did that happen? And I started replaying the night through my head. And Mm -hmm. it it really felt like a dream that I had, you know, when you wake up and you're like, oh, that that was like a realistic dream, but it didn't feel like it really happened. Uh But it did, (laughs) you know, so, um, you know, things like that, you know, I've woken up you know, in three different hospitals in three different states, just from being black, blackout drunk. And, you know, you know, one time the ambulance was called at a bar. Another time, like, uh, my close, uh, friends, like slash family members that I was staying with at the time, uh, took me to the hospital. Another time I was, I was on the job, you know, drinking after work, you know, I was managing a a bar restaurant. Uh-huh. And uh, somebody took me to the hospital and like I woke up in these places and, and not known how I got there. There's IV in my arm. And now I'm like, this has got to stop. It's just crazy, you know? Wow. Because you, a few years earlier, you had a completely different experience wrestling, right? 
how how did how did Absolutely. how did you get from this champion wrestler to this I don't know where in the hell I am? Yeah, that's a great question, Don. Um, I mean, in high school, I was very straight edged. You know, I really listened to what my coach said uh-huh. about uh, you know who to hang around with, and you know if you're in the wrong crowd, it's like crabs in a bucket. You know, as soon as you try to climb out, they're gonna latch onto you and pull you back in. So I really took his advice to heart and uh, listened to what he said and was, lived a very disciplined life and went to class, did well in school, hardly ever went to parties, you know. And, uh, yeah, my results was, you know, I was a champion wrestler, you know, in, uh, in the state of Delaware. And, and when I got to – what changed was when I got to college, I didn't have that same relationship with my coach, so I didn't really follow that. There was no, like, real – moral guidance you know or like life like a, like a strong mentor yeah exactly like a life coach because that's uh-huh. my my high school coach was like he was like a father an uncle a grandfather a brother like a a teacher a life coach like all kind of in one and uh you know both my parents are alcoholics so you know I wasn't getting that guidance at home right. that uh, I might have necessarily needed in life and uh when I got to college that wasn't there and uh I found myself doing the things that my high school coach told me not to do. It's like hanging out with the wrong crowd, you know, like it was, it was new to me. I was in, I went to Drexel in Philadelphia and uh, I mean, it was inner city Philadelphia and I've come from, you know, Camden, Delaware, this little small town. And, uh, you know, a lot of people probably don't even know where Delaware is at, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's the second second smallest state in the country. <laughs> you went from but, small town to big town, big city. Yes, yes. So I got wrapped up into a lot of that, you know, going to uh, frat parties and just being in with the cool kids and and uh, making social acceptance more important than you know uh, striving to do well in college classes and and uh, having strong uh, goals in wrestling to align with with those things and. Were, and I found were, myself, you were wrestling in college though? Yes, I was. So what were your teammates doing? Was this like the lifestyle of the teammates as well? There was a small group that lived the good life, but the majority of them were uh were just party animals, you know. Uh-huh. It was a division 1 school, but they they figured out how to take easy majors and they had a network of people that would help them with class and that would cover them when they went to class so they could live this type of lifestyle and still keep up with their courses where wow. I went into school double majoring in computer and electrical engineering. Oh my gosh. <laughs> on top of wrestling in division one. And I didn't realize how extremely difficult that was. Yeah. And, wow. Uh, the little bit I started to party, it just uh, snowballed into I'm so behind. I don't know what's going on. I'm lost in school. I'm, uh, I'm just, I just felt like uh, I couldn't catch up after like a week or two living that lifestyle. I was like, I just don't feel like I can catch up. And, you know, so I lasted like a half a semester and that was just trying to recoup my funds because I knew I was going to fail that semester. Right. And, and that's when I moved back to Delaware. Wow. That was a big shock to your system, I'm sure. It was. I mean, I, I took on more than I, I could uh, handle, and I and I, no one was really around to 
to guide me with that uh, that kind of you know college and and wrestling kind of direction. It, it was always kind of left. My parents kind of left me up to my own devices. And in high school, it worked. You know, I dreamed big. I set high goals for myself. I did what I needed to do. But it was because I had a a mentor, a coach yeah. that was helping me with that. But as soon as that I graduated and it didn't necessarily have that, that, you know, my parents and my coach, they just encouraged me to go to college, but I wasn't prepared on what to expect and how difficult what I was going to try and do was. And, uh, you know, I look back on it now, if I was going to double major in computer and electrical engineering, that's all I would have done. I wouldn't right. wrestle division one. If I, if I really wanted to wrestle division one, I would have t- taken a much easier major. Right. Uh, at least to introduce me to that college uh, environment and then find my balance in it. So, so, yeah. how, so how did you go from blacking out and ending up in hospitals to picking yourself up? Like what was that turning point for you that you, because you weren't really getting guidance from around you. So how did you, how, how did you do it for yourself? Uh, it took a lot of, it took a lot of, um, desperation, mm. you know, uh, I so badly wanted to succeed in life because my, my accomplishments as a wrestling champion, I had like a, an extremely high standard and I still do. And for me to fall so far in the opposite direction, it really, uh, destroyed my self image and my confidence and, uh, stripped me down to the bare minimums of who I was. And uh, I had to rebuild myself uh, from nothing, basically, from the inside out, one one step at a time, because I got so, uh, I was like an introverted alcoholic. I didn't really like to go out to bars, you know, mm-hmm. because I was, I was just ashamed from getting so drunk and blacking out. I didn't want to be around people and, and allow, allow people to see that side of me. So I would go to the store, pick up a six pack and maybe a pint and, and go back home and just drink by myself and um, play video games or something, you know. And I became so comfortable in that environment that I started becoming very uh, antisocial. Um, I didn't want to be around people. You know, I didn't like who I was becoming. I had a right. hard time looking myself in the mirror. Um, so it was really hard for me to begin um that process because for me to get help i had to get around people who could help me which meant i have to be around people again and have to start developing a relationship with other people when i didn't like the relationship i had with myself yeah i was gonna say you had to face people when you were having a hard time facing yourself yeah yeah and it was very difficult and the what really drove me was this such desperation that I knew that the life I was living had to change. I knew I needed to get alcohol out of my life for good if I was ever going to live uh, happy and uh, have the life that I, I really wanted. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I had to find people that could help me. And the, the only people I could find was, you know, AA, you know. Uh, or NA, you know, they're both kind of have the same foundation. And right. uh, I was like, that's the only place I know where people are willing to help you who have the same problems that you have, 
who have overcome them and that don't drink anymore. And I need to know how to fucking do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I can't imagine my life without it probably at that time, but death, but your desperation is saying, but there's gotta be a, another way, a better way. Yeah. So it's like, these are the things that I have to do, not because I want to, yeah, but because I don't want what I've been getting. It's just such a, uh, a depressing, self-pitying environment. I'm, I'm just miserable. I have no energy. I have no, a very little ambition or inspiration in life. And it just, you know, uh, light years away from where I had been in wrestling. I got this self-confidence, self high self-esteem. I have all this, you know, healthy energy and I just love people and myself. And like, you know, it was a far way to, to fall, but I was like, I want to, build myself back up to to because I know what that feels like and I was genuinely and truly happy at that time so I was like how do I get back there it's like these are the things that I have to start doing uh that are gonna make me uncomfortable mm-hmm. and really talking about it with other people and, and working through some of these difficult uh emotional problems uh, but anything's better than this you know because this is this is like you know borderline makes you want to commit suicide you know it's like yeah. <laughs> i'd rather be dead than to live like this you know yeah yeah so well how i i actually have been to al-anon myself um mm-hmm. and i know that one of the important things is is being accountable right yeah absolutely it's like you this is the place where you have to face yourself and face your shadows and face your struggles and face your weaknesses and face your feelings of insecurity and self-doubt and all of that kind of stuff. So can you talk a little bit about your journey to find your way back dealing with all of those things? Yeah. um, As far as accountability, uh, it's so true. Like I knew that I was weak by myself. Mm-hmm. And I had relapsed so many times trying by myself, you know, reading self-help books, watching inspirational motivation, YouTube channels, like just trying to overcome this issue uh, of alcohol addiction on my own and just having like periodical, um, you know, periods of, of success, like, you know, week or two weeks or, you know, a couple months even. But I always kept... uh relapsing and going back into that lifestyle and I was like what the f is is my problem you know mm-hmm. I don't know why I I keep wanting to go back when I know it's it's just a terrible thing you know for my life and my soul so I was like you know these people at AA have have figured out how to do it long term and I was like that's that's who I need to learn from because that they have what I want mm-hmm. so when I got there, you know, they're just encouraging me to keep showing up at the meetings. And, uh, you know, I didn't, there's some of them I didn't like, you know, I, I feel like, you know, um, they, they could have been run better or there, there could have been stronger leadership or, you know, healthier, uh, topics and, you know, whatever. But I was like, if there's one thing I know that most of these people in this room are living a sober life. And I was like, I have to keep doing that. I have to keep showing up because I know when I'm here, I'm not at the liquor store or by myself at home wanting yeah. to go to the liquor store. So yeah. the accountability started coming in where I was like, all right, I, 
I, I don't really like probably most of the people here, but they're keeping me from going down the path that I absolutely do not want to live anymore. Right. So that's where it started as far as accountability. And then, you know, over time I found the, the stronger meetings where they had the, uh, the more powerful uh, leaders and like the people that could speak from their heart and really uh, reach people like myself and really help identify what the problem was in, you know, my life specifically. And, and then I just started growing from there, you know, but uh, yeah. I was, I was, was going to say when you were talking about it, it was like, you know, the first meeting that you went to, it was like you were trying to create a new team for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And absolutely. then, and then the next one, you found a stronger team, people that you felt like could hold you up even and lift you up even higher. Yep. You're absolutely right. You know, it's uh, there's certain people that you, you kind of uh, click with mm-hmm. better than others. Uh-huh. And uh, sometimes it's kind of like filtering through the different meetings to find those people and then stay in constant contact with them. And, you know, you can be accountable to each other, you know, and uh, yeah, that's part of that process of, you know, finding, find, creating a new team. Like you said, that's, that's absolutely right. Yeah. So how, so in that process, how did that transform your relationships as opposed to when you were going through your darkness? Oh, it can, it completely reconfigured every, every buddy I wanted to be around or cause a lot of the, the friends that I've had, you know, um, kind of grew more towards the, the crowd that I was told in high school not to be a part of. So when I realized that, all right, I don't want to be a part of this crowd anymore. I isolated myself and I was like, I'd rather be by myself in this situation drinking than to be wrapped up in what they're doing drinking. So I took myself out of that environment. But then the next step was like you were saying, it's like, okay, if I want to overcome this, what environment or what group of people can I get around? And one of the first things they say when you go into AA is like, you need to change your, uh, you know, people, places and things, you know, it's your environment. So, uh, you know, the, the more I made friends with the people that could help me in life, the, uh, you know, the better my relationships got with the people that I met outside of AI because I was, uh, it was almost like I was becoming a magnet uh, to the person I was growing into. And those, I was attracting those people into my life that would uh, support that growth process. So today I have uh, phenomenal friends around me and I'm very thankful for that. And a phenomenal relationship. Uh, absolutely. Yep. If I never got my shit together, uh, <laughs> she, would, she would not have liked me. <laughs> so why don't, can, can, you tell, can you tell us about the difference between what you're, what you're creating with Lori now versus what you had tried to create with previous relationships? Yeah. Um, so a lot of the relationships in the past were more codependent, you know, we were, what do you mean by that? We were getting fucked up together Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, they would, um, support me in that, uh, 
role of wanting to do that and I would support them in their role of wanting to do that. And we were both like enjoying our own misery together. Uh, you know, commiserating, so, uh, commiserating. <laughs> I love it. That's exactly right. So I realized, uh, relationships like that, uh, only amplified the misery. So I was able, just like I was able to work out away from the, the group um, that was trying to take me to the bars or go to parties. I was like, all right, first step is I can't be in this environment anymore. So I realized um, I didn't have many relationships over my alcohol addiction period because, you know, um, I was just so unhappy with my own life. I just didn't have the heart to really bring anybody else into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I did, it just amplified the misery. So I was like, you know, I, I, we really have to go different ways so I can work on myself and figure out what my problems are so I can better my life. So, uh, yeah, that led me to, you know, working on myself. And I remember my, you know, my family, they're like, why don't you go, you know, go out and meet girls. They just saw me miserable by myself. They're like, why don't you go out and meet somebody? I was like, because I'm a mess, you know, and I know, what type of person a mess is going to attract. Attract. Yep. Don't it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Like like attracts like. Is that is yeah. it? Yeah. Absolutely. So I, I just knew I had, you know, that if I was gonna find the woman that I really wanted, you know, in my life and, and wanted to one day marry and, you know, spend have as a life partner, um, that I needed to be the person that would attract that. So that's another thing that was super relevant for me, um, putting all the pieces back together in myself. Right. So how, so how do you relate differently to her? Um, my gosh. Um, where, do, where do I begin? <laughs> yeah, yeah. When we first met, I mean, you know, it was, I had been, living in Delaware and I got an opportunity after I was doing so much better in recovery and like my life is just coming together and uh, growing as a person um, opportunities started coming my way. And I, I took this one uh, job as a videographer in Delaware and I was recording depositions. So they would always send me to either Philadelphia, Baltimore or Washington, DC so I'm like commuting from the middle of Delaware to these cities, which with no traffic is two hours one way. Right. A long so, commute. Yeah. Which, you know, I learned, I, I figured out I could turn my, my vehicle into a mobile university. There you so go. <laughs> I found out how to make it work, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, eventually I moved over to Maryland with my uncle and started working in DC all the time. And that's where I met Lori was on the job. She was a court reporter. And, uh, you know, I'm videoing this deposition. She's, you know, a stenographer, you know, typing all the words everybody says. And when I met her, um, I was in such a uh, powerful personal state, you know, like uh, I'm just so grateful and happy with the progress I've made and like where my life is going. And you know, I've gotten out of Delaware. I feel like I'm moving forward. I love myself. And it's just like, it's almost like that energy within myself attracted someone like that who could who could appreciate me for me, 
you know, because when I met her, she had that same thing going on. She's just like doing well in her life, loves herself and like that, like attracts like. And the, uh, the ironic thing about it was when we met in D.C., we never met before. It turns out that we graduated from the same high school in that, Delaware. That's crazy. Yeah. Just <laughs> years apart, but we never met. It's just, yeah, absolutely nuts. That's so. such a small world. I mean, those synchronicities <laughs> blow my mind, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like serendipity, man. So I was like, after we figured all that out and like we started uh, speaking like, you know, casually outside of work and we just, you know, grew together, uh, you know, for the first maybe month or two, it was just all email interactions. We had only worked together like twice, I think. And, uh, you know, we really took the time to get to know each other mentally and like really develop our relationship and uh, through what we thought and, you know, life experiences and stories. And it was just beautiful. And you were, were you actually, like you were actually writing to each other a lot? Yeah, absolutely. A email. I was going to say, do you feel like that was almost an easier way to express your heart through writing? Um, I do because I'm more of an introvert and like, uh, I like to think through what I'm going to say. I feel like I can, I can express myself uh, more truly sometimes with words Uh because I, I guess I haven't really had a lot of uh, experience speaking. Like some people are just gifted with being able to say what they feel. Like for me, I almost have to figure out what I feel yeah. and to be able to write it and then rewrite it and then may- then send it, you know? Right. And, and uh, yeah, that's, I mean, she wasn't, she was in a different state for uh, a month after we got exchanged emails. So like, we couldn't even physically be around each other, but we're writing each other multiple times a day. Wow. You know? And uh, yeah, it was just awesome. That's, I, I feel like that's one of the best way to get best ways to get to know somebody because there's really no reason to filter anything. Yeah. And we right? still do it to this day. We still do it. So that, because I know, you know, when, when you and I talked before, you said that you have always been a really sensitive person and yes. that, you know, you used to wear your heart on your sleeve and, and that, um, you know, when you were going through all of these difficult experiences, it was like you, you shut down your own heart. Mm-hmm. So, so how did you rediscover your heart? Wow. That's a great question. Um, it was it was by taking steps in a direction where I would begin caring about myself again. So to really, you know, my heart was broken because uh, the lack of love I had for myself, mm-hmm. you know. So to rekindle that, my heart and, and the love in it and to really wear it on my sleeve again and uh, find my strength in it, I had to, to find my strength in myself and like those little steps um, where, you know, once again, like going to the meetings and just kind of acts of, uh, you know, gratitude and, and just daily practice and, and making small steps forward. Like I had a, a long list of legal things I had to, to uh, 
make amends for, you know, like go yeah. back and resolve. So it's like relationships I, I may have soured, um, you know, I just going back and, and doing what I could to make the most out of the situation that's already taken place and uh, doing it with uh, with a caring, loving heart is what made it begin to grow again because I found love for myself and through those actions of love. Do you, do you think, um, are, because, you know, a lot of guys have a hard time talking about their heart, you know, they, it's like this whole, I gotta be tough. I gotta be strong. You know, I'm masculine. I'm a man. Um, and yet, you know, there's this, for, for me and my perspective and my opinion, you know, when you show up as a man in your vulnerability and your authenticity showing, you know, like exposing your heart, that to me is real strength. Absolutely, Dawn. Absolutely. And I'm going to tell you that I found that out early in high school through uh, wrestling. And I'll tell you how. Where uh, the guy had to wrestle in the state finals, he was ranked number one in the country, uh-huh. and he just he just walk around the tournaments with his chest sticking out like just super ego. And uh, you know we're in the parade of champions, so parade of champions is like the first and the second place person like the the two people are going to fight in the finals or wrestle in the finals right who haven't wrestled yet the people behind them are the people who got third and fourth fifth and sixth and they're all like patting me on the back they're like kick this guy's fucking ass like because <laughs> everybody liked me because i like i wore my heart on my sleeve i i love people i, I talk to people i didn't if i beat somebody i didn't act like an asshole yeah. you know i helped them up with a hand and like really gravitated towards that and rallied around me to beat this like giant of an opponent you know it's like a David Goliath type of situation ego 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 they were like everybody just wanted someone to take his ego out you know and uh they rallied behind me because you know I believe because of my heart and uh I ended up beating that guy and uh you know I just felt just so loved and supported through that process. And, you know, they would come up to me and they're like, yeah, see, heart overcomes, you know, like, you know. So it just felt good. I knew that really on in life because of that, you know, kind of experience. Uh-huh. That was true. And so, and so then, you know, during your struggles, that's sort of when you basically broke your own heart, yeah. right? Yeah. And so coming back to, pick up the pieces of your own broken heart so that you can come as a whole, you know, like you were talking about learning how to love and accept yourself because we're not really taught that. A lot of people aren't really taught that growing up, are they? No, they're not. Why not? And what can we do about it? (laughs) Um, I think because the education system is more um, logically based uh-huh. and it's it's it doesn't cater to emotions it caters to the logic side of, of the human uh being and it's like math and english and science and uh you know that's why i love wrestling so much or like sports because 
that's our opportunity where emotions get involved and we can refine those. And uh, my wrestling coach always said that wrestling was the purest sport because it revealed your, your true character. He's like, the hard work you put in is the hard work that you get out, you know? Right. It's like there's no, nobody else out there with you, you know? We're all there to support you, but in, in, like in life, it's just you, even it's though you have you. family and friends behind you. When it comes down to it in that fight, the only one that's there is you and the problem that you're facing, you know? So, uh, I mean, he taught me, he, he taught us about emotions, you know, and how to harness them for uh, positive uh, energy, you know, how to, you know, be it have upstanding character and, and principles and, and, you know, how to use other people's, you know, who are haters and things like that, you know, uh, to use that as fuel for your fire. And, you know, you just keep your eyes forward and your, uh, your head up and, you know, just do the best you can and then positively affect the people around you. And like, that's where I got the best teaching on, on how to bring out my heart, you know, mm-hmm. and it's so challenged in mm-hmm. uh, sports. You're challenged emotionally. Mm-hmm. You know, I know in school you're challenged mentally and it might be stress and pressure to study and things, but, you know, really challenging your heart. And that's, that's a different type of thing, you know? So uh, I think if, if we can encourage more athletics, a lot of athleticism, particularly the one-on-one sports it doesn't have to be wrestling but tennis is a beautiful sport of swimming it's like you versus the elements but it's just you you know Mm -hmm. like those type of sports really bring out the character within you because you have nowhere to hide there's nobody you can hide behind it's you versus yourself and you know it's uh it breaks you down to the most bare part of who you are and and that's where you're able to know who you are and, and build on that, you know, mm-hmm. if you don't know who you are, uh, how can you create the person you want to be from it? Well, and I, and I think because I, I'm, I'm all my kids are athletes. So, you know, I, I get that, but I'm a dancer. And so that was, that was like my individual sport, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I love um, dancing. But, but for, but for some people who aren't athletically inclined, I think the concepts are the same. You know, it's like you have to figure out like what speaks to you and what helps you become the person that you want to be. Mm, Absolutely. Right. And so it's, so it's really, it's really facing yourself, facing yourself and, and finding what honors your heart and honors your soul, like where, where it's going to propel you to what vision you have for your life. And I, I feel like, you know, a lot of, a lot of times, and you can, you can talk about this, you know, that, that people who end up um, using drugs and alcohol and, you know, various forms of um, diversion, diversionary tactics, really, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because you're not willing to face who you are, because you're not really liking who you are. And so how do you know, how do you help? people come back to this place of, you know, I got to be okay with who I am, you know, and I have a vision for my life so that I can um, draw people around me that I want, you know, like I can draw my team, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. I can create the team that I want 
I can create the partnership that I want because I'm becoming who I want to be. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right on like really finding your passion and what drives you in your heart. I mean, that's not something that I feel like was encouraged how I grew up in, in school. Uh-huh. But it's, uh, it's always been the, the direction of go to school, get a good education, get a good job, retire. But you know what, you know, we live in, in America is the, is the land of opportunity, like entrepreneurship. And it's like, you know, how, how come people aren't being inspired to, to create their own business or company in what they love? Because right. I think that's more true to the heart. Right. You know? So uh, there's a lot of theories, maybe conspiracy, you know, ideas on why that's created to be like that, that model. Uh-huh. But uh, what I think would help is uh, some kind of transition, uh, whether it's school or just guidance from taking something that you figure out that you're passionate about and love. And how do I apply that in life? Like even this stuff, like in wrestling that I learned, it's like, okay, I've learned all these awesome lessons and now how do I apply that in life? You know, it's just the next step just seems to be school, you know, more school. And, uh, and in a way, if you're not ready for it, it's like brainwashing you into a system that you're molded to be an employee of, you know, which uh, has never been my idea of uh, freedom. Yeah. So it's a, it, it's almost like a prison for my my mind and my heart because uh-huh. I feel like it's it's a box that we're being kind of directed towards, and uh, based on other people's expectations of yeah. maybe who they who they think you should be. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Not enough self discovery uh, in our school systems in that process of growing up. So, so how, so how has all of this self-discovery and self-love and opening your heart to possibilities changed your life and changed your relationships? Uh, I mean, it's, uh, it's opened my eyes to more possibilities, you know, not being restricted that I think that the only way I can make it is going to college and, uh, you know, working for somebody, you know, and relying on that company to take care of me long term. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've been to college four times. I've only completed one semester. So uh, I most of that was from alcohol. Yeah, <laughs> addiction. yeah, yeah. But the other part of it is like they weren't teaching me what I really wanted to know. Um, you know, maybe I just didn't find the right uh, path or, you know, um, it's, it's really, you know, if I can make any recommendation, if you don't know what you want to do in life, I don't think uh, necessarily, going, necessarily going to college right out of school is the way to go because you're, you're starting to amass debt and you're being forced in a direction that you may not be happy with, you know, and before you make that long-term commitment, which is what it is, when you, by the end of it, you have, most of the people have debt. And then they, they're forced to get a job in this field that they find out they might not enjoy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if anything, man, after you graduate, you know, take that time to, to do some self-discovery, you know, 
whatever you feel inspired to do, expose yourself to different things, you know, go uh, hike a mountain, go on a cross country journey on a motorcycle. I don't know, whatever you want to yeah. do that you think would help uh, you find out what you really care about in life and then start coming up with ideas on how you can create something to support that vision, you know, uh-huh. and then maybe come back to the education side and say, okay, where can I go to learn about how to do this? Uh-huh. You know? And how, and how about the role of having a mentor in your life? Oh, it's phenomenally important because, uh, I mean, so many people today that I've met in, in, in life have broke, come from broken families. So ideally, um, you know, it, it always makes me so- smile and almost tear to hear someone say that their dad is their hero, you know, wow. or they just love their parents because, because um, I don't know that, you know, but, uh, and because, I, I because, that, because you've had a hard time with your parents. Yeah. Yeah. Still do. And uh, I think I'm not alone, you know, by far. No, you're I'm, definitely not alone. There's a lot of people like that. So mentorship is, is super important in life because, you know, there's, there's people, you know, who have done what you're trying to do that can help you along the path, you know, because they have the experience and, you know, the fact that they're, they're coming back to help. And that's, it's part of the process of life and fulfillment. You know, it's, uh, going on a journey and having this experience and, and, you know, what's next is, is turning around and, and helping other people on that path. You know, mm-hmm. that's uh, been my experience and what gives me the most joy. Like, you know, my rest, my experience in wrestling, like I love uh, helping kids develop in wrestling. I really do. Mm-hmm. And uh, it gives them joy because it see, I can see them get getting better and that makes them happier. And uh, they're, they're learning, you know, how to do something they love and it gives me joy to see that come out of them, you know? So, you know, anything in life like that, you know, find a mentor in uh, in what you're trying to do, you know, someone who's been there, you know, it'll save yourself a lot of uh, mistakes. I mean, mistakes are good, but if you can learn from other people's experiences, you're going to exponentially grow, you know, it's going to be a much quicker process. Well, and I, and I feel like just as you were talking about it, it's like you're being the dad to them that they never had. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how I felt about my coach. That's you know? like a beautiful gift that you are giving people, Chris. Well, thank you. I mean, that's, that's why I created uh, the Grappling Real podcast was to uh, – Unite the grappling arts community of wrestling, jujitsu, and judo, which mm-hmm. I later got involved with, and uh, to create that support group like an AA, but for grapplers, because I've seen a lot of high level grapplers that do so well and uh, have the same life experience where they get to college and just fall off the cliff, mm-hmm. you know, and, and some of them aren't even here anymore. So, wow. Yeah. So, that's one of uh, the primary uh, motivations behind creating that community is, is to have that place where people can find mentors mm-hmm. and or uh, tell their story and give back, you know, and uh, share some insight that might help you know, other coaches or athletes along the way mm-hmm. to, uh, to create a stronger community between us. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I just wanted, you know, based on our conversation, our last conversation, just to say that I really honor you of how you're dealing with your own parents right now. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I can. Um, so my mom, she's, uh, her and I have actually grown closer together over the mm-hmm. years. Like they, they, my, my mom and dad split up somewhere around 10 mm-hmm. and, uh, I chose to end up living with my mom. Mm-hmm. So growing up, you know, in my adolescent years, I live with my mom and my brother ended up living with my dad. So we almost got, um, cross neglected in a sense where, my mom didn't talk to my brother a whole lot. My dad didn't talk to me a whole lot. So, um, you know, it was tougher early on with my mom because we grew up in the same household and, uh, I saw firsthand a lot of the problems. And at that time I was more verbal of, you know, pointing out her faults and, (laughs) you know, the things I didn't like. And, uh, you know, I was probably not the most respectful in, in the way I, I said it. And, uh, I hurt her feelings and she hurt my feelings. And so we, uh, for years grew apart until, you know, probably within the last few years, the better I've done in life, uh, the more I've been able to accept her for who she is and my dad for who he is. Mm-hmm. And I've opened that door to let their relationship grow and I reach out from time to time, but she's actually been more a stronger source of coming back and, and developing some kind of relationship. Um, My father, he's uh, you know, he's, I think going to be 61 this year. And I mean, he rides the bus every day, hasn't had a license in over a decade. And uh, you know, he just refuses to change. Like, uh, it's hard to be around him because, you know, one minute we're hanging out and then he'll disappear and come back and be completely drunk. And, uh, you know, it reminds me of, of a lot of pain and uh, it it's it's saddening to be around. So I can't really be around him too much because mm-hmm. he wants a relationship, but he doesn't know how to have one because mm-hmm. he doesn't have one with himself. Right. So it's very, he's very difficult to really speak to. Um, because you never know when he's sober, when he's not. And, uh, you know, anything you write might develop kind of disappears rather quickly. And, uh, so I leave the door open and he calls me every once in a while, but our, our conversations are, are kind of shallow in the sense that we don't have anything to talk about. I mean, he asked me about what I'm doing. I tell him, he's like, Oh, that's good. And then it's blank. You know, there's no, I, I could ask him about his life and I have, but it's always the same answer. Yeah. So, um, cause he hasn't really faced himself either. Yeah, you're right. He, he has a relationship where he's being enabled to live that life. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as long as that exists, he probably won't change. So I talked to her about it in the past about Al-Anon and, you know, I was like, I love my father, but you know, you make things too comfortable for him. And, uh, as long as he's, got that nest in that comfort zone he's not going to change mm-hmm. like the best thing that probably could happen is is for you to move on with your life and i told her that and you know she's uh i don't know if she's in denial or just you know doesn't really 
consider what I'm saying or but over the years they've been together for I don't know eight years or something like when he moved in with her she's seen now more realistically what he's like at home because before she'd come over as soon as she would leave he would go to the liquor store right come back and get toasted you know so I would always be around for the worst part of that experience where he hid it from her but right. now she sees it firsthand so whether or not she'll ever get to the point where she moves on I don't know um because he plays the self-pity card and like kind of makes her feel bad and guilty like oh well you know then what am I going to do like I don't know man it's your you've created your life the life that you have yeah. it's up to you to figure that out you know yeah. so uh she's susceptible to that and he uses that and so I don't know if it will ever change. I hope it does. I really do. My dad actually has a beautiful heart and that's where I get mine from. Yeah. So I remember that early on. It's just, you know, I'm 36 now and I remember that growing up. I mean, he was just, you know, loving, caring guy. And just over the course of years, you know, five DUIs or whatever, it's just gotten progressively worse. I've never seen a real effort to get better. Like in my life, it got worse and then I would try to make it better and then I'd mess up and it'd get worse and I'd try to make, so it's like periodical ups and downs where I feel like it's just been kind of a constant slow down. So uh, until he hits some kind of adversity where he's forced to deal with it, mm -hmm. uh, I don't think he, he may never will. So that's kind of my relationship with them right now and, you know, I'm, I'm sure excited. that's I'm sure that's really hard for you to see them see your dad especially stuck you know because you were at that place where you were stuck and you figured out a way to get out and reclaim your heart. Yeah, absolutely Don and, and my dad and I lived together, you know, for a uh, a year or two in an apartment and uh while I was going to AA like he actually went with me once or twice and uh he did it because he wanted me to go, uh -huh. but he never wanted to go for himself. For himself, yeah. And you so, have to do you have to do it for yourself. Yeah, yeah. So like it was frustrating during that time when I was struggling the most, and we lived together. And uh, I, I after I got off work, I couldn't come home because I knew I would go home to, you know, that life. And uh, so I would have to. That's one of the reasons I went to a meeting every night. So I when I got home, he was asleep and yeah. I didn't have to see that every day and see him destroy himself like that when I'm trying to do better and I'm fighting through it and work, you know, working through that adversity to overcome and figure it out. Right. You know, it would have made me so happy to be able to do that together, you know, as a father and son, but I just had to accept that that it just, it just had to be me because I had to do it for myself. And if he wasn't going to come, that can't stop me from doing it myself. Right. I mean, I, it, it's, it's so strange. I think, you know, that you are who you are because of the parents you had Yeah. because of, you know, the great experiences and the shit experiences that you went through. And here you are this, you know, I, I told you the first time I talked to you, like, I feel your heart. You have a huge huge heart and you are creating this beautiful life for yourself and um 
I just like, I just wanted to honor you so much because you, you come with your heart, you give your heart wherever you show up and it's the most like masculine and strong and vulnerable and beautiful thing. And I know that, that this woman that you're with, she is really, really lucky to have such an amazing man in her life. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you. I, I actually feel like the, the lucky one, but uh, I'm sure she would appreciate that. Yeah. So, you know, you have learned to face yourself. You have learned what it means to not love yourself and figure out how to, to come to a place of love for yourself and for, you know, the people that you want to surround yourself with. So my the, the last question that I like to ask people that I talk to is what is your definition of real love? Because this is, this is what this is all about for me. What is real love to you? Wow. What a great question. Um, real, real love, I think is uh, being able to look in the mirror and, and be a hundred percent happy with who you are and who you're becoming. Mm. And then, and by that definition, you're going to affect and empower everybody around you. Including yourself. Including yourself. It starts with you. Including yeah. yourself. You become your biggest champion. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. It, this, uh, it, the word you, Y O U, it just just came to me. It's like it starts with Y, but it ends with you. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that could be a slogan somewhere. <laughs> That's perfect. It starts with Y, and then it ends with you. That's awesome, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> You, I'm so thankful that you came uh, here with me today. It's been such an honor to talk to you. And um, for, for the listeners out there, if they want to get in touch with you, find out more about your coaching programs and your, um, he's going for gold pretty soon, people. <laughs> <laughs> How can people find you, Chris? It's, um, we, I have a podcast called Grappling Real, R-E-A-L. Um, it's on iTunes, Spotify. I have a fan page, Grappling Real, and uh, Instagram at Grappling Real. And uh, you can email me, uh, grapplingreal at gmail.com. I'd love okay. to hear from you. All right, great. Um, okay, so for, from my side, if, if you like what you heard today, please subscribe and share with your friends. And if you would like support in finding more connection, expansion, fulfillment, um, heart, vulnerability uh, in your own life and in your relationships, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at The Awakening with Dawn. And feel free to send me a message. My website is under construction. It's coming real soon. And obviously, you can find me here at the podcast. Um, and I'd be happy to help you find and create more real love in your life. And this is just what we were talking about, Chris. Um, my like slogan, <laughs> my mantra, my motto, whatever that I'm going to say forever and ever is the most important relationship you'll ever have is the one you have with yourself. 
so that you can mm -hmm. be the kind of partner that you want to have. I love it. So thank you so, so much for being here, Chris. I, you're welcome back anytime. And next time, bring your, bring your woman. I will. I will. <laughs> thank you. It's my pleasure, Dawn. And I love you for this, you know, what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. So thanks, listeners. And uh, tune in next time. We'll be back soon. You guys take care and wake up to real love. See you. Bye.